Hi, my name is Anton Meshkov and I'm one of the creators of the United Citizens of Europe. Today I'm talking to Dorotya Kosha. I met Dorotya a year ago in Krakow where we both were studying in Euroculture program. By this time Dorotya has a unique perspective on Europe that she gained by participation in European projects on many levels, from grassroots ones to the ones supported by European institutions. I had a lot of fun talking to Dorotya, and I hope you will enjoy the episode as well. Okay, hello, Dorotya. Thank you for, for being on this podcast, and thank you for willing to, to talk about your experience with European organizations and institutions. That would be very great if you introduce yourself. How would you present yourself? Yes, yes, sure. Thank you so much, Anton, for inviting me. It is really great to talk to you. So I am Dorotya Kosha from Hungary. I recently finished my research master that's called Social Networks in a Sustainable Society at the University of Groningen and an Erasmus Mundus master program uh, that is called Euroculture. I also have a sociology BA and although I think it is quite difficult to present myself, if I would need to choose just one thing, I would say maybe I'm a sociologist first and foremost. And then I also must add that I'm very interested in policy design and evaluation in the field of youth policies and European education and European citizenship. So such a great profile. I think people who are enrolled, involved into policy making, there should be more of them with, with background like you have. I think it's, it's really great that you come from the sociological background. I hope so. <laughs> and so this background apparently led you to many um, European projects and Euroculture is one of them. Um, can you, can you uh, recap a little bit on how many, like where you have been involved into? Yes, sure. I need to go back in time uh, a bit. So while I was during my BA, I actually completed an internship at the Human Rights Association um, where I conducted research for many European projects as well. For example, the European Migration Network then I also prepared reports for the No Hate Speech Movement, which is a um, rather successful project of the Council of Europe. And then I also presented the, the International Human Rights Association at conferences abroad. So that was the first time I really uh, could take part in European projects and really feel that I am making a change, even though it was really small. Then, of course, throughout my master programs, especially Euroculture, I had the chance to participate in student organized events and initiatives. Um, of course, mainly uh, it, these initiatives were the university's uh, initiatives, such as conferences or workshops and so on. Um, so I, I could have also an insight of, of the academia's role in awareness raising and educating. For example, yeah. when I... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, um, I remember uh, you told me in Strasbourg you organized uh, a conference for women, right? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was trying to go to. Thank you. Yes. So, for example, uh, when I spent an Erasmus in Strasbourg, uh, I had this project management course. And as part of this course, uh, three good friends of mine and me successfully organized this conference on, on women's participation in European politics. And I was even part of the European youth event. So we were really happy to, to make it. 
Um, and yeah, yes, I just went, yeah, it was really, really cool to see what academia can do. And that went really European well. Project. I remember you were very happy about the results. We were, it could have been better for sure. Um, but I was working with three really maximalist uh, people. <laughs> they are all really well organized. Um, I was really happy to have them as teammates, I think. Yes. And what else? Well, I was um, a trainee at the European Parliament's uh, liaison office in Budapest just recently. I finished two weeks ago and I could also um, sneak a peek into the European level initiatives, both old and new, and got familiar with the institutional setting as well. So I have uh, quite rich insights for NGOs, academias and, and institutional frameworks of European projects. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on every level that a European project can possibly manifest itself in. Literally both grassroots and something in the middle like NGOs and institutional level. But uh, why, why, why do you choose uh, for your professional path? Why do you choose uh, institutions and in particular European institutions? Not in a way like political institutions, but in a way like entities. Why, why not corporate environment, for example? Um, yes, yeah. so I feel like that corporate environment would not really fit me well. Um, I, I never felt I was attracted to the private sector. I feel like um, the direction is that our world is going towards is global. And from local and national goals, um, we have a bigger emphasis on global and supranational ones. And since our lives are pretty interconnected by now, in order to be effective, I think uh, it is important to think European. So this does not mean that I have to exclude local and national perspectives, of course, but it does mean that I am prioritizing long-term goals for the sake of the next generations. And I just thought that, um, this academia or institutional framework would fit me better in order to reach my goals. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, yeah, it's also it's also great about great thing about Europe is that it doesn't have to it doesn't make you choose between European level and, for example, local level because local level can fit really well into a European level as well, which, in terms of, for example, Council of Europe projects it shows really well that it tries to integrate instead of, I don't know, making like a whole new identity or like super identity. It tries to make this brew of identities as a, yeah, I think it's really great. Yes, I agree. I mean, one can have many identities at the same time and that can be a local identity, a national one, and then a European one as well, ideally speaking, of course. So I would love to believe that I'm from a rural part of Hungary, but I'm also Hungarian and then I'm also European. So when I'm thinking about European projects, I will try to incorporate that knowledge and that experience that I have as a Hungarian person. But then I will try to think European and think on the European level as well. Mm. And uh, were there any stories in particular uh, which involved Europe and you? Like, was there something personal in this choice as well? Something that uh, made you feel European maybe, or made you feel glad that you actually live in this 
um, in the space, very interconnected one. Yeah, so when I was 16, my high school organized a student exchange program with Belgian students because I was studying French in high school. Um, yeah. Funny enough, it was with actually Flemish people who speak, of course, Dutch, not French, but I think yeah. the school, I don't know. <laughs> That, that was just a funny mistake, probably, but they also learned French, so that was not a barrier at all. We could just teach each other and learn from each other in a way. And when I went there uh, to this really small town called Moor, I just realized that we share the same kind of problems. We face the same kind of issues in our everyday life regarding uh, higher education choices, love affairs, um, family formations, tragedies, um, accommodation problems, the climate catastrophe and so on. So I felt like um, I can talk to these people in a much more friendly atmosphere than with some of my Hungarian peers. And that made me really feel European in that sense. So I think that was the very first moment I felt like, okay, I would like to do something with European youth and European education. And you, I think you're fulfilling this um, wish really well <laughs> so far. You're doing really great. And uh, since that moment, did the idea of Europe change? Because you've been you've been in this on so many levels, and you've personally experienced European space during like Euroculture, for example, or during your bachelor's, you personally experienced so many diverse things in Europe. Did the idea about Europe change? Did you gain any insights by working in, on the European projects? Well, Euroculture for sure um, made a change for me because I had to change not only cities, but countries every semester. So every time I moved, uh, first I moved to the Netherlands, then to France, and from France, I moved to Poland and then back to the Netherlands. So every time I had to adapt to the new environment and I felt like, okay, now it's the time for me to see what I can do in order to integrate better, how I can deal with um, the cultures here. So that really made me focus more on on the European side and I also realized what do I share with these people uh, what goals we do prioritize more over mm. the things that can be different in our lives so would you say that uh, Erasmus was kind of the most insightful uh, project in terms of in terms of European idea and what it means to be European or Hungarian for example uh, well, Hungarian, I'm not sure, but yes, um, European for sure, Euroculture was the most successful project that made me realize how much do I belong to this continent and to this union. Um, but it's interesting question. I actually also realized what does that it makes me Hungarian in this very international environment. Um, mm -hmm. So what traits I emphasize when I introduce myself or my culture, my language, what is that I'm proud of? Uh, how do I speak about my country? So actually you're right, that also made um, made my identity change a bit for sure. Yes, I, I, 
I totally agree that it does change you a lot. And I, I don't know, for me, because I've, I've bought, I lived both in, in the States and in Europe, and both times, I think sometimes I gain more insights about my own national identity than about identity of, of the place where I live. And not all the time, but sometimes I feel like it's very insightful. And it makes definitely you brag makes you brag less about your national identity at least yes you also have a very rich history of like moving around for sure and i don't know about you but i think it's also really important what are those things that we leave out from our country representation so that it's not only what we think is important to mention but those things that we rather wouldn't mention you know (laughs) that's true that's very that's a very great insight i never thought about this but I always act according to this rule. Like it's, it's very important to leave some things out. That's interesting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I will think about this because I never thought about what I actually hide as a Russian person. That's interesting. And uh, let's come back a little bit to some concrete projects that you participated in, like uh, European sure. Parliament uh, liaison office. Um, yes. How, how was your experience in general? So, yes, um, I applied for the Schumann traineeship um, in the summer of 2020, and I got accepted in uh, August. Yes, early August, I think. And I was really excited, but then at the same time, I was really scared as well because I haven't been working in a professional environment before. I was always part of the academia doing research and yeah, writing articles and studies and I felt like I really have to step outside from my comfort zone in order to to do this internship but um, it was surprising to see how friendly that environment was I don't know if it would have been the same if I would have been working for example in Brussels or Strasbourg or Luxembourg Mm -hmm. but the Apple office was definitely a very welcoming and open atmosphere and environment I'm very grateful for Um, and also I think what is different at this upload is that I had a lot of tasks and while I was talking to my friends who did this traineeship in Brussels for example they said they had very fixed tasks and frameworks what they have to do while I could just take a look into almost everything what they do at the press unit at the PR unit what are the projects um, what are they currently working on I could participate press seminars I was writing reports and uh, speaking points and background um, points as well in order to prepare our head of office for example which was super interesting so I could really be part of uh, the everyday life of the Apple um, and I think that was really great that's very interesting what you mentioned about um, being in the center of institutions and being sometimes in, in the offices like uh, in Apple in Budapest. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting observation. It's not the first time I hear this and yet so many people try to go to Brussels or Strasbourg, even though like you're basically chasing the location, not the set of skills that you can possibly... Yes. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. Also, I think the difference is that um, while in Strasbourg and Brussels, it's a very central um, place to work 
in and you know it's a very dynamic environment at the apple offices you have to work with your country uh, in the end if if I'm, i want to put it simply because it's not only international projects but you also have to communicate between um, your citizens your national citizens and then the european citizens and the european institution so you work in between which makes it really interesting as well uh, because you get to see in, uh, into um, governmental initiatives as well you see into citizen um, actions and and citizenship um, associations and you have to work with them so it's kind of a bridge between the supranational institution and then a national uh, national citizens yeah and i think it's uh, it's way more important of a bridge than a bridge between different institutions in brussels for example because you you mentioned in the beginning of our talk that uh, it's very important for you to to, to contribute to the impact, to have some kind of, to contribute to the change in the society. And yeah, I feel like uh, office in Budapest is definitely a better place for this than office in, in Brussels. But- uh, Yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, would, would, you, would you like to continue with, with European projects after this? Yes, indeed. And I'm not sure yet whether I would like to continue working in the institutional framework or go back to academia or maybe consider the NGOs because all these three um, have very different settings um, and I could learn very different things at these places, of course, but as every framework, they also have the downfalls, of course, not only their perks. So. I mean, academia is already exclusive by its nature because we educate the educated and we raise awareness of those who are already open-minded. Yeah. So that's um, it's a very hard way. And I would like to reach out to people who are marginalized and uh, depraved or who don't doesn't know that much about the European Union and about their European rights. So that's my problem with academia, although I feel most comfortable comfortable uh, in in academic uh, in academia, and then with the NGOs, um, well, they oftentimes can be very corrupted, and that results in very disappointed employees who see the money go to the wrong places, myself yeah. included. Um, so actually, my personal opinion is that the institutional framework can do the most in order to achieve European projects because they have the resources. But then again, it can be also very limited who has access to tenders and open positions and is very highly competitive. So. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very happy to hear that um, with, with all of this that you're saying, I'm very happy to hear some optimism about a European project and about doing little things and helping sometimes those who are kind of left outside of this project it's uh, i'm very optimistic that uh, people like you are actually motivated to do to do the hard work because i don't think it's a it's a very easy work to do and speaking of this uh how, how effective do you think um offices like uh like the one in budapest is because many people are very skeptical about soft policy or about 
things um, which are not directly political, and they think that uh, politics can only or can only be made in isolated cabinets and by high officials, and that normal people cannot uh, influence it. What what would you say to those people? Yeah, it's a very good question because um, I believe in policy-oriented change. Yes, I do. And I think that change has to come from top. So I believe that top-down perspectives can be really effective, but only if uh, they are based on research. And so for top-down perspectives as well, we have to ask people on the bottom first. So it is some something between bottom up and top down, I would say. Um, I believe in active citizenship. I think it's essential in the end. I'm also part of the student-led initiative called EU and you. Uh, we are trying to raise awareness on European issues, educate about European culture, member states, and increase the youth belonging to the European Union in general. I think it's a very essential work we do. But in the end, without resources, it is really hard to make a change. And institutions, they do have the resources and the access. So this is why it is always good to use these standards and apply for fundings and apply for project uh, prices and such. Because that way, uh, bottom-up and top-down approaches can work together. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, it totally makes sense that uh, it is important uh, to have a very adequate and well-prepared, rigorously prepared uh, top-down approach. But without grassroots movements, it would be, I think, also quite fruitless. It, it's also it's yes. also very important. Yeah. Also, the kind of um, the underlying mechanism. So first, we need active citizenship. So we we raise awareness on the issues, the problems. We emphasize what is good, of course, but what is bad as well. And then, you know, policy design can act upon it. And yeah, we yeah. have to bring the issues towards those people who can change it. And I think it's a very fine line that uh, differs propaganda from actually doing a very important uh, work on, on culture and on, on just bringing people closer to decision-making process because it comes from from the research it comes from understanding of people's needs and not just imposing values which are completely alien to people and it's yeah it's, it's very great that you highlighted this uh, this differentiation i think it's, it's, it's really great and what, what about uh, what about eu and you uh, initiative because uh, i yes. follow them too how oh, cool yeah, they're quite, uh, they're quite big. and uh, Yeah, we are growing every day. Thank God, it's really going well, actually. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, so you mostly aim at youth, right? Yes. Um, so I joined this group of students in late October, early November, something like this. And I also just found them on Instagram. And then I saw that they're searching for people because... Well, the stuff was not so big at the time. Mm -hmm. And I joined as an event organizer to bring some um, professional perspectives into this event since um, I was still working as a human trainee. And 
Yes, our goal is basically to bring European citizens closer to each other, to bring them together um, and to raise awareness on the European Union as an entity, about its history, uh, cultural, political um, inventions of it, and mm -hmm. to raise awareness of its perks as well. So we organize debates, we talk about, for example, vaccination strategy uh, at the occasion of International Women's Day, we had a clubhouse event talking with MEPs. Um, we were trying to highlight the problem, the issue of not having enough uh, women in leadership and political representation. So I think it is a very complex initiative, um, but I think it will grow out itself soon. Yeah. Do you feel the difference in working, for example, at the uh, European Parliament office and working with the with a small initiative. Are there any like similarities that you notice when it comes to the European projects? Ooh, yes and no, <laughs> because <laughs> yes, there are similarities um, in terms of what are our aims, for example. The European Parliament's liaison office in Hungary, uh, in Budapest, has an Instagram account as well. And it's usually um, also organizing Insta Lives. I'm mm -hmm. now going to be a volunteer for them soon, hopefully. <laughs> and um, I will try to stay in the dynamic circulation of this environment. Um, so we also do that with EU and you. Okay. We also try to reach out on social media. But then again, I feel like the European Parliament's approach is a much more um, professional, formal way of doing so, while the EU and EU is trying to find people also on uh, less uh, formal platforms, such as, for example, TikTok. We are also mm -hmm. on TikTok. We are trying to be uh, very active on Clubhouse as well. And what is different is also the audience, I would say so. We have a very young audience for sure and that is also our aim so it's great uh, but it's different from from the institutional approach for sure yeah and i think it's also great that there are different uh, rhetorics where you can learn from where we can learn about the european union because sometimes the way institutions translate their activities or the way they translate their values Oh, it's it's not very accessible, especially to young audience. And yeah, I I'm, I'm I consider myself interested in European politics, but I sometimes struggle to understand what's going on in some of the Instagram accounts or the institutions. Honestly, yes, uh, I don't blame you at all. To be <laughs> fair, I think the communication should be much uh, more clear in terms of this. There is some space in order to develop and to improve this. I hope it will happen soon, sooner than later, for sure. <laughs> it also brings me hope that there are people who are willing, who are volunteer actually, to just explain things about the European Union for nothing. They just, they're just very interested in it, and they're very invested into the idea of the European Union or Europe. Yes. Yes, that also, I, I think that was the most uh, attractive thing about EU and you. This is why I joined, because although um, well, I'm not a student anymore, but they are all students, if I'm not mistaken, like mm -hmm. maybe some of us are already working. 
um, but still mostly students. And they find time next to their studies to do this and they're very determined and enthusiastic. Um, and I think that's a great thing. And I just wanted to support this whole aim to reach out to, to those who are not really familiar with these processes and make it more understandable for them what is happening in everyday politics. That's really great, actually. I think it's it's really great. Maybe it will prevent uh, some people voting for another exit or some people actually, yeah, it's very nice. I, I have high hopes about it. I, I hope so too. Although I think it is also very important to try to stay neutral. And I think that is, a, that is an issue for me to be, uh, how to be an active citizen, how to raise awareness and then still be neutral and professional. I think it's a great challenge. It is, um, especially when you are, like, do you find it harder to be neutral in in a big institution, like Apple, for example, than in student initiative or vice versa? Because I can, I can see how it can go wrong in both ways, actually. Yes, well, as a human trainee, I had to be very natural, but also because I was working in the press office, right? So mm -hmm. I had responsibility in, in communication, in clear communication to bridge uh, factual um, information and then um, everyday's narratives. So I really had to be top of my game in order to communicate well and clear and be, yeah, without being uh, biased towards something. That was a great challenge for me in the beginning, but I think I I mastered it, if I can say that, in the end of my traineeship. So that was one something that I learned there for sure, uh, amongst other things. So uh, it is different from a student-led initiative because there I think I'm more free to express my thoughts, but then it can also hit back because I do not want to promote my personal views on a mm -hmm. page that is actually not only me, but another I don't know, 20 something people, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, to totally understand. That's super, that's super cool too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think, I think I'm done with questions, but if you, if you want to voice some concern or voice some issue, you're welcome to do it. I, I think I'm good. I really enjoyed this interview. Thank you. I, I just want to say that if, you guys listening there you want to engage in something just do so find time try to prepare your capacities and then based on that contribute as much as you can uh, towards those things that you care for something that you wish you knew before you applied um actually i think it is a great experience so if you have the chance to do a traineeship at a european institution you should definitely do so it it's hopefully going to be a door opener <laughs> for many of us. But it is great to experience professional setting and to see what you can do in an institutional framework in order to, do, uh, in order to achieve your goals, what you care for in your personal life. Yeah, so it's definitely worth it. Yes, I think so, yes. I, I, mm. I really liked it. I, I would recommend it for sure. That's great. I'm, I, I, I can hear some optimism there. <laughs> That's good. Yes, but I was really lucky as well in my environment. So, yeah, do it in, at your applause office, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean in the, in the national offices? 
Yes, I, I think that's a great opportunity to learn more both about your national and the international framework. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of the same way as we talked about that going to another country actually makes you learn about yourself as well. And I think Apple offices actually are the same way to learn about your country from interesting yes, and also you can and maybe as a final line or takeaway, I think it's good to bring home your knowledge. If you studied abroad and you know more about international practices, then you should take it home and you should let your country benefit it or maybe, you know, spread the word, if I may so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely successful at both, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for talking. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Me too. Thank you for your questions. I enjoyed it a lot as well. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our episode. Um, make sure you follow us, you rate us five stars on Apple Podcast. And make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our Twitter. You can find us as United Citizens of Europe. See you next week.